Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on Shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here. Hope everyone is having a great Thanksgiving. Today is a special episode. I am honored to have with me author and overall incredible person, Brooke Rogers. Thank you so much for being on the show, Brooke. Hey, Ben. Thank you for having me. We're doing Friendsgiving. We're keeping everybody company right now because they're escaping their families. Their uncle has just gotten drunk enough to talk about QAnon. They are in their basement, and you are here with us now. It's Brooke and Ben. You are safe. Your family can't hurt you. Yeah, lock yourself in a bathroom. That buys you at least 30 minutes. Absolutely, especially if you're a lady, because then the men won't. They'll be like, ladies doing lady stuff, India. Don't go in there. And uh, that's really powerful stuff. Yeah, we got to put all of the tentacles back inside of us every time we go to the bathroom. (laughs) So So you just wrote an article called, and it's entitled, You're Not My Dad, Governor Cuomo. And please stop pretending. Although Governor Cuomo, he did just win an Emmy. for That's true, people. He won an Emmy, which is disgusting. I want to vomit it in my mouth because he did so good in those press conferences. And they said that deserves an Emmy right next to Big Bang Theory. It's Andrew Cuomo. What uh, exactly was the Emmy for? Like what uh, category is that in? I'm not exactly sure what the hell the <laughs> Emmy is for. But it's according to Bruce Paisner, he's the president and CEO of the International Academy. This is what he said. He said, the governor's 111 daily briefings work so well because he effectively created television shows with characters, plot lines, and stories of success and failure. Wow. I'm so glad that the death of hundreds of thousands of people was, was so entertaining. It was a great, That's It great. was a great plot line for him to win an Emmy. Uh, the dude goes on to say, again, this is Bruce Paisner. He says, people around the world tuned in to find out what was going on. And New York Tough became a symbol of determination to fight back. He won the Emmy. It's the Founders Award. Um, it is absolutely disgusting, as Brooke alluded to, that tens of thousands of deaths are no more than a uh, a plot point in the story that Governor Cuomo was spinning to the people of the world of America, but most importantly, the people of New York. So when it comes to the motivation for this article, I think I understand it, but perhaps you can, you can break it down a little bit of Brooke because you're in Queens, 
You have mm-hmm. been uh, suffering under what's going on in New York. The whole thing's a goddamn yeah. nightmare. And uh, maybe just talk about your experience a little bit. Well, I think that I've been wanting to write a column like this for a while. Um, I just kind of, there was the, the last straw kind of came uh, very recently when Cuomo uh, ordered a 10 p.m. curfew on restaurants and bars right. in the city, um, supposedly with the intention to curb the COVID spike. Uh, there has been kind of a second wave building here. Obviously, when the first wave came in March, everything got shut down completely, yep. which was completely understandable. And um, that's the thing. I don't want anyone to read this article and think that I'm against taking uh, common sense measures to right. deal with this virus. But Cuomo's approach seems to be um, punitive in a very petty sense. Uh, he, instead of uh, taking what I would consider the smartest route, which is to shut everything down completely, um, as we've seen in other countries, and then uh, make sure that businesses and um, people are taken care of who need to stay home, um, you know, bailing out businesses, making sure that they uh, can pay rent and pay their staff, um, making sure their overhead is covered during the shutdown, and then paying people who would otherwise not be going to work, people who can't work from home in order to stay home. Um, they're kind of doing this half and half thing in New York where right. they're making it almost impossible for um, restaurants and bars uh, and businesses in general, but especially uh, the food industry, which is kind of the backbone on which a lot of the New York economy is built. Well, and um, of course, that's where a lot of the essential workers, that's uh, their jobs. People are devastated right now. And mm-hmm. you mentioned here in the New York Post article how, yeah, you're I mean, it's like common sense. I wear a mask. I have my sanitizer. Be safe distance, all of that stuff. But he did the thing where it's like, okay, we had some normalcy when I was in Brooklyn. Barry Street was kind of shut down and you could get drinks to go and everything was distanced and and safe. But then he did a thing where you have to now serve food if you're a restaurant Mm -hmm. or a bar serving drinks. Which didn't make any sense. That's that's, that's the real real problem with it, right? So is it that, is it just so, is it that he's governing with political, like, gotchas is it like oh it's just it sounds great on paper if you're a politician but in actuality all he's doing is hurting the people he is pretending to champion it really is um it's it's almost like he take he's taking on the role of like daddy in chief where right. everything and I, I mentioned this in the article itself but everything is about um keeping new yorkers in line and sort of uh it's almost about controlling behaviors without actually explaining how that's going to uh, keep COVID from spiking. So right. uh, again, initially the when 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 bars started reopening and kind of figured out how to do that safely, they were offering to go uh, drinks. Um, they were allowing people to just come like grab a frosé or a frozen margarita and then sit on the street where they could social distance with friends or go to a park. Um, so that's obviously the safest way you can really do that. They weren't having anyone inside. And he decided that um, because people were sort of gathering in groups on the street, uh, even though COVID cases weren't spiking, by the way, that right after this was going on, they weren't going up substantially at all. Um, he decided that he was going to implement, as you mentioned before, a food rule where restaurants and bars, anyone with a liquor license would have to give food with every drink person. Right. The response from restaurants was sort of like, uh, 
Give them chips. A lot of attitude. Yeah. Cuomo, Cuomo chips is what they were called. Or like, yeah. it was really funny across the board. They were giving people corn tortillas and calling them quote unquote vegan tacos. They were uh, giving people peanut butter sandwiches. There's actually a Ooh, like bar jail. called. Yeah. I don't want to call the bar. I don't want to get them in trouble, but there's a bar in Brooklyn that I like a lot um, where they would just, they had like a tub of peanut butter sandwiches and sandwich baggies <laughs> and they would just kind of like throw it at you. Oh, <laughs> you bought a drink. Delicious. Oh, peanut butter. But Cuomo decided that wasn't enough and he implemented, he made stricter rules. It was almost like a, oh, you're going to try to get around me. It's like a parent being like, oh, you're going to try to find a loophole in my rules. Okay, I'm going to make it harder. And it's not about COVID. Right, because he never explained and, and, and it, it, he never explained like, okay, this is the problem. The problem is, you know, we're worried about COVID. What's the difference if you're serving a drink with food or not serving a drink with food? How does that deal with COVID? It makes no sense. Well, yeah. What you, I mean, obviously... New Yorkers, for those that don't know, there's a massive war, basically, um, between Cuomo and de Blasio. De Blasio is one of the, the mayor. worst mayors in America, and um, Cuomo is Everyone better. Everyone hates him. Everyone <laughs> hates him, and Cuomo is a better politician and has more power, uh, you know, coming from Albany being the governor and everything. There is something to Cuomo wanting to hurt the people of New York City mm-hmm. so that they'll hate de Blasio more. And I think there's also... It's it's sort of this uh, needling at de Blasio because he keeps yeah. superseding his uh, his power. So it's I think a lot of these small rules are um, sort of a slap on the wrist to de Blasio. Like, oh, you're not taking care of what's going on down there. OK, I'll come in and deal with it. I'll right. handle it. So a lot of like, uh, like there was I, I mentioned this in the article, but there was this uh, video in mid, I believe, in July of people hanging out around St. Mark's. Um, people have been inside all, all spring. Everyone had cabin fever. So going they were going insane. and having yeah. drinks out in the street. Um, and someone tweeted out a video of these people, a lot of New Yorkers on St. Mark's, which is a busy street. And uh, Cuomo retweeted it with, don't make me come down there. And it's just such a parental, it's it's right. this, uh, you know, he has this control freak energy where it's, again, if he were explaining to New Yorkers this is the problem. Right. This is how these rules are going to help create a solution. And we're going to take care of you in the meantime, because we understand that you can't just stay home with no paycheck and right. expect your businesses to stay afloat or you to be able to feed your families. There's not any of that going on. No. So it's the worst components of the nanny state. It's, um, you know, in, intervening in, in, in private life. It's uh, absolute control over its own regulation. It's absolute control over uh, business choices without any of the benefits of a nanny state, which are if you live in a nanny state, Part of that is that they should take care of you. You're paying a lot of money in taxes. They should make sure you're taken care of. And they're not doing that. We have a huge deficit in New York. It's something like a six, we're facing a $63 billion deficit. Cuomo, by the way, uh, we we call him out at the New York Post where I work for it and he uh, turned it down, but was going to get an automatic uh, 25 grand raise next year. And so were uh, three of his top officials with this deficit after handling, uh, overseeing some of the worst deaths in the country from COVID. They've done a horrible freaking job. I want to talk to you about just the concept of like daddy in chief, right? (laughs) Because we have Trumpers out there. And again, this is a bipartisan issue. No government has handled this pandemic properly. This has been a government failure on a state level and a federal level. Like, wow, I don't feel reassured for the future. But when it comes to like Trump, the daddy memes were real. Everyone like would make him Superman. Daddy th- Cuomo. Daddy. And now we're seeing the same sort of thing happen 
with the left in some ways. Specifically, you have a quote here from Rebecca Fishbin. She wrote at Jezebel. Uh, This is what she had to say about Cuomo. She says, and this is in the article, she says, in this time of crisis, with little concrete information available, I need Cuomo's measured bullying. His love of circumventing the federal government, his sparring with increasingly incompetent city leadership. But again, that has nothing to do with COVID, and it has everything to do with this power trip. Why do you think we're at a point now in American politics where people are like willing to give up so much of themselves and allow their identity to be shaped by someone like Governor Cuomo, the son of a governor who is just part of a crime family of scumbags? (laughs) He's a schmuck on every sense of the word. Albany, New York is one of the most corrupt states in the country. Why are people so willing, especially like women, like to call him daddy and all of that stuff? It's like nauseating. Whatever happened to taking out the uh, the patriarchy? Like, I don't understand how this is like, like he and Gavin Newsom are like a wet dream for some people. And I'm like, they're just trying to benefit themselves. Look no further than Gavin Newsom. I mean, it's like disgusting. It's so... So like hypocritical. Yeah. Why why is it how are people so susceptible to like worshiping these morons who are supposed to be serving us? Yeah, I got to say one of my biggest pet peeves that if you get me talking about it, um, which is kind of obvious in this article. But if you get me talking about it, one of my biggest um, just annoyances are is uh, people being horny for politicians Ugh. because there are so many other people to be horny for. Guys. Yeah. We have, that's what celebrities are for. They are beautiful people who <laughs> exist for you to project your sexual fantasies on in popular culture. You do not need to do that to, to politicians. And I think that the reason why we've seen a rise in that, um, and you know, with the whole, there's Daddy Cuomo, there are people calling themselves Cuomosexuals, which is homophobic, oh, so- by the way. Oh, I'm yeah, officially calling that homophobic to co op the word. Well, don't um, forget his father ran on the campaign, go with, uh, what was it? Uh, go with Cuomo, not the homo. Cuomo, yeah, not against, the homo. Uh, yeah, because. Uh, oh my uh, God, who was that? Why can't I remember his name? It was Ed Koch. Ed Koch, yeah, thank you. How am I doing? And, there was a rumor that uh, Andrew Cuomo actually came up with that slogan. But anyways, oh. so there's there was this. Yeah, there was this um, there was this boost in this uh, this idolization of Cuomo because and this is why the reason why we're seeing a spike in this happening, a spike in people being hashtag horny on Maine for politicians. Ugh. It's because we are hyper fixated on politics right now. And you saw that like, like even like, I don't hold anything against uh, Rachel Fishbean for, you know, for, for feeling this way, because during that time we were locked in our houses. We right. were terrified. The pandemic was um, something like none of us had ever faced before. And everyone that I know, like every, every day I was watching these press conferences because I was hoping for any information and you turn it on and you see Cuomo and he, you know, he's making dad jokes and he's running around in his, uh, you know, New Balance white cross trainer. That's any material. Yeah. And he's he's sort of, you know, he's sort of jocular. He's making jokes about his daughter's boyfriend. It's it's kind of like. I guess it's nor- and what, she, what she says and what I think is true is that it's just it's sort of a sense of like normal, you know, normal like normalcy. And I think that right. um, I think that it's just in general, the American public has is just hyper aware of politics. And that's why you see 
people tweeting um, the most disgustingly sexual uh, tweets about Beto O'Rourke. That's why you see um, the who was the the mayor of um, the mayor of the Wisconsin town uh, who was handling the actually is related to Mackenzie Brennan, by the way. Oh, no kid. Um, yeah. And uh, the uh, John Ossoff, like you see these like kind of young up and comers and politics. Right. And there's there's always like this fan base springs up around them that is like obsessed with them because th- I think this is probably the most we've been aware of political, the political world on a large scale. But it doesn't seem time. like it doesn't seem like we're talking a lot about policy though. Right. Like politics have taken, obviously they've become, you know, fodder for people to become famous. They are really more of a celebrity engagement. People engage with politics in a much more celebrity kind of a superficial manner. Now we don't talk about policy. I mean, you're out there in New York right now. Has there been any, Thing, anything positive? I mean, you and you've been taking just so people know, Brooke has been taking the quarantine extremely seriously. Uh, you're like a shut in, and I'm like, get out of your house! <laughs> like I'm screaming at you all the time. But is there has there been any improvement with the with the city? Is there any way that they've handled it better, or is it all of these superficial things that he can just sort of announce and uh, and under the guise that oh yeah he's doing something? I haven't seen anything tangible whatsoever and again all you have to do bring your sanitizer load up wear your mask distance and you will be okay um yeah i think again the problem is just that probably this the real solution is just a total shutdown for like a month that in and and then paying people and to stay home and i think that that's probably the only way that we're actually but it it can't just be in new york it's gotta be everywhere and that's not gonna happen under this administration so there, and look, we need we need a second stimulus. We need yes. um, we need people to who would like to stay home but have to go to work to be able to pay rent and feed their families. Absolutely. We probably need a rent freeze um, in a lot of big cities. But the they New York is doing better than some places. Like I'm from Wyoming originally. I yeah. know that Wyoming, which is one of the most libertarian states I've ever been to. Um, is considering a mask mandate at this point because no one is wearing masks. And so it's spreading like wildfire there, even though it's the least populous state. Right. So it's like no state is handling it well because some states are just straight up like it doesn't exist. I've heard the liberals made it up. Pla- I heard it was a pandemic. It was a pandemic. And then other states are like, I think it's because the restaurants aren't serving steak with the beer. And no state is handling these things properly. And at a federal level, just with the New York Post and everything, from your expertise, when do you think that we're even? When are we getting a freaking stimulus? I mean, now that oh, we're in another transitional point, yeah. when's this shit all gonna happen? I mean, um, people are so fucking desperate for this stuff right now, and it's like, I mean, we're getting right around the holidays. Do you see it happening at all this year, or are we just in a stalemate? At the very least, I guess until Georgia's decided January fifth. I don't think it's going to happen until uh, we get a new administration, Um, which obviously, you know, we have President-elect Joe Biden now. Um, Despite Trump's best efforts, I don't think that's going to change. You saw Giuliani melting last week, right? Oh, oh, yes. Our little little Pinocchio boy out there. America's mayor. America's mayor. Um, Yeah. that that man just needs to like I, it, it. It was like um, 
the scene with the in Wizard of Oz with the water when, when she got hit with the water and started melting. Yeah. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. But I I feel like there's two problems here. One is that the, the Senate, the, the stimulus has to be a priority for the Senate, and it's right. clearly not right now. Not. Uh, Senate Majority Leader, Leader Mitch McConnell is otherwise occupied um, with trying to make sure that Trump stays in office. Um, also, not to let Democrats off the hook because uh, they aren't getting their shit together at all. They could be they could be pushing for this on several fronts and really don't seem to um, be that concerned about it. Well, I it. think they want they want Biden to get all the credit, right? Yes, exactly. So it's better if it happens under so a Biden administration. Um, oh, meanwhile, people God, are it's so frustrated. You know, California is facing facing an evic- eviction cliff. Unbelievable. People in New York are losing their homes. People across the country are losing their homes. Um, are having trouble paying bills. Are going deeply into debt. And yeah, it's a good reminder that um, our, our political class really does not care at all about average Americans. At all. But um, the yeah, I think what's going to have to happen is, you know, um, we're going to it's going to probably going to be next year under the Biden administration. It's going to be too little too late. Right. Um, honestly, at this point, they should be giving um, every household two grand a month probably to, to get yeah. it back on track. And people who say we can't afford that should know that uh, Senate Republicans just proposed to add 10 billion to the Department of Defense budget on which is already three hundred thousand billion dollars. Um, they have the money. They are not spending it on Americans that they absolutely. they absolutely could be not only uh, not adding to the budget, but cutting down on our military budget, which is absurdly large. Yeah. Um, but there are also so many other places that they could cut 
to make sure that uh, Americans who pay into the system Mm -hmm. and should see some benefit of that are taken care of. And they're not doing that. It's funny you mentioned the military budget, too, because we talked I was talking with uh, Dr. Robert Fetrakis last week, how Trump isn't an interventionist. Uh, He doesn't want to intervene overseas militarily, but he certainly left uh, the military in good freaking financial shape for whoever wants to. Mm-hmm. That's for damn sure. He gave him a hell of a lot of money. So whenever they want to turn that loose, you know, it's, it's going to be freaking brutal. I don't think. Yeah, he's definitely not a war hawk, which, you know, that's that's but he good. Liked, but he did politically. It made sense for him to give them a shitload of money. Yeah, absolutely. But he honestly, I think that it has less to do with his um, ideological stances on war or uh, or conflict and more to do with the fact that he really doesn't see how it benefits him. And he's therefore, lazy. he's not interested in it. Yeah, too he lazy have any to go to foreign war. Policy like that. Yeah, which is good. I guess he is. That's that's one good thing about his laziness. Yeah, it's better than being just bloodthirsty, but it's yeah. still not ideal. Like Dick Cheney was too proactive, and you know. Yeah, well, slow down, too. buddy. Maybe slow smoke it a down. J. Why? Why oh are you so God. excited about uh, sending? Sending U.S. troops into uh, it just to terrorize brown children. Why is that such a priority for you, Dick? I'm talking with Brooke Rogers. She, she is the author of the uh, New York Post opinion piece. You're not my dad, Governor Cuomo, and please stop uh, pretending. Just lastly, when it comes to conservative media, obviously the New York Post a little bit more right leaning, um, but it looks like Fox News is officially too mainstream for Trumpers at this point. They seem to be yeah. going over to like Newsmax or One America News. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you think, just kind of being in that world, where do you think conservative media goes? Like, I mean, some people are speculating Trump is just going to go right in and have start his reelection campaign for 2024 now. Uh, some people think it's just never going to end. What do you think conservative media is going to do under a Biden administration? Do they shift from Trump or do they kind of keep him like still in their hearts and and don't want because they don't want to. Yeah, because they don't want to turn off whatever the 70 plus million people that voted for him. Well, uh, I think it's actually pretty easy for under, you know, under a Biden administration, you just switch your focus from um, advocating for, you know, you know, Fox News can switch from talking about Trump to talking about Biden. You can start criticizing Biden. It's 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 a it's a pretty easy switch over. I actually think that when it comes to um, the media landscape, my sort of pet theory is that which has been kind of talked about. Jerry Kushner referenced it a while back. And I think that this is kind of where it might be going is um, I don't think Trump is going to run again in 2024. I think he's probably going to uh, make a Trump TV network or something or some kind of outlet, maybe like uh, maybe web only. I'm not sure, but right. I can see him shifting back to where he came from, which is entertainment. And, um, you know, you, you already got your of cast your of camp. characters. Yeah, you're, you got Kimberly Guilfoyle. You got Don Trump oh Jr., God. Laura Trump can have her own show. Give Tiffany like the gay corner or something. And she's so good with the gays. That's what um, she says anyway. <laughs> that's what she says. But yeah, I think that, you know, they already have, they already have the characters they've already got. They can probably pull um, from other networks. The, the people who would want to come along for that the people who are, you know, true diehards. I think if, if Oprah couldn't do it, Trump can't do it. Oprah tried the television network. It didn't work out. It is. It's also possible he just goes and has a show on Newsmax or One American News. That's true, but he's got seventy-three million built-in viewers already. The, the seventy-three oh. million people will, who voted for him might want to turn on his, uh, turn on you know the Kimberly Guilfoyle hour and watch her you know talk about I don't I don't know. Um, Speaking the, of how, melting, 
uh, keeping kid kids at the border in cages is bad again now because Trump, Biden is in office. Right. Who, who knows what she'll talk about? But I think that's that's what I I think is going to probably happen to the Trump uh, cabal, the 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 the, the sideshow that is the Trump world um, yeah. in the next four years. I don't think that he actually. Um, I think what's going to happen is, I think why he's putting up such a big fight right now is because he wants to go out a winner. So he's putting up a big show and a big fight so that when he gets, when he is finally, you know, fully out of office, he can say, I didn't lose. It was stolen from me. Right. And that's always been his biggest priority. Not necessarily winning, just not being a loser. Well, is, you know? Isn't that just a hangover narrative that was supposed to be the narrative of 2016? Isn't that they were setting the setting the stage for the like mm-hmm. the election being rigged and all that stuff. And then it was definitely... I mean, if you look at like Steve Bannon, the whole point really was the Trump kind of news network. That was the point. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I don't think he's going to run for reelection. A lot of people do. I mean, we're just going to see because you're right. He has 70 million people now he, he has to direct. Yeah. And if he doesn't do a good job of it, which he won't, there is a there is a concern for like violence. And if he really keeps on stoking the flames of these 70 million people plus. I mean, it could get pretty freaking scary out there these next four years. Yeah, I think, um, you know, something I got to I got to give this uh, t- uh, uh, theory to my give credit for this theory to my uh, roommate and author, Sarah Lyons, who um, always has a lot of insight on these issues. But she has said for months Trump's going to be a sort of president in exile where he won't have the power of the White House, but he will have the ear of everyone who voted for him because the cult of personality behind Trump isn't going anywhere. As long as he's around, that's going to exist. Trumpism is not necessarily tied to the Republican party or any kind of, uh, you know, or the white house or anything like that. It's tied to Trump. So he can kind of take that wherever he wants. So we could see, um, we could see a future where for the next four years, he's just stirring up that division, stirring up that anger. That's already at the boiling point right now. Um, and it could be much more of a, a a cultural war on that front than a political one, I think, at that point. Yeah, I agree. Um, Brooke Rogers, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you thank for you spending for Thanksgiving me. with me. And we have to do Thanksgiving. What are you thankful for? Ooh. Um, earnestly, uh, thankful that uh, so many people I know are healthy right now. And um that they're doing okay considering everything that's going on. So Okay, and now not earnestly? Not earnestly. Oh, I am so thankful for uh the ability to get very drunk. There it is. I love <laughs> it. Go drink some gin. Drink some gin. I am thankful that everyone is healthy as well. And yes, getting drunk is fun. Eat a bunch of food, have a good time with your family, stay warm by the fireplace and um or not fireplace whatever it is that you do. And I hope everyone isn't lonely out there. If you're lonely, hang in there. It'll pass. And um, yeah, I hope everyone has hang a great Thanksgiving. Hang out with us. We're here. Hang, hang out with us. Um, anything else you want to plug, Brooke? Exceedingly per, uh, Persuasive oh, yeah. is the podcast. So check her out on that. We'll put that in the bio. Um, yeah, we have. A, I have a political podcast with uh, – my good friend and Supreme Court lawyer. Actually, she's up for a new position with the chief judge at the Supreme Court. Oh, my God. Big promotion. So good she's um, 
uh, we have a political podcast called Exceedingly Persuasive. Um, we, I also, you can find me at BKE Rogers on Twitter and Brooke Angeline on Instagram. Um, and yeah, you can find my writing at the post. Are you getting into a lot of fights on Twitter? I never get into fights on Twitter. I don't respond to, uh, I don't, this is my, I have reached a new point of Zen. Aww. I don't respond to any negative replies. I only respond to, to nice ones. So that's good. I love it. Um, all right, Brooke Rogers, everyone. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. Hope you're having a great Thanksgiving. Hang in there. Hope you had a good week. And we will talk to you soon. Hail yourselves, everyone. Bye bye. Bye. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.